0: Welcome everyone to The Enthusiast Life, brought to you by GamerGoo. My name is Mark turcott and I'm so glad each and every one of you have decided to make me a part of your day. Well, my friends, it is Tuesday, February 16th, 2021. Hopefully you're having a good day so far. Hey, we're halfway through the month of February already. Isn't that crazy? Man, time is just flying here uh in 2021 so far but we got some good things to talk about here today uh as always a little bit of housekeeping don't forget you can follow me on twitter at marturk at m-a-r-k-t-u-r-c and of course you can always email the show at the enthusedlife at gmail.com so today i want to kick it off talking about a little bit of elder scrolls online i know i kind of mentioned last week uh that i had kind of dipped back into it uh really just to play the kind of the latest uh dlc that had come out uh, actually back in november i think is when this came out but it, it basically wrapped up the uh, kind of the year-long adventure that they've been doing over in Skyrim, uh, with the Dark Heart of Skyrim year-long adventure, and uh, you know because I had pretty much played uh, through Greymoor, I purchased Greymoor, played through the original DLC for it, the Harrowstorm DLC that kind of kicked it all off. Uh, I wanted to get in there and kind of wrap up the story and kind of see where it all goes. And I gotta say, hey, it you know it didn't take me a long time. Usually the the zone uh, kind of main quest. That's in there. They they only take a couple hours, and so you know, over this past week or so, I've been kind of dipping in here, doing doing a couple quests. Um, But I did finish it up. I think it was a great ending, kind of to the uh, year long adventure that they had going. Probably one of the best, I think, Uh, because some of the ones. I mean, the elsewhere one was great because both of those zones kind of made sense. Uh, But the Morrowind and the um, uh, Somerset ones, kinda, you were going to places that didn't really. I want to say maybe didn't necessarily relate to that year-long story. This was definitely a very consistent story across. I mean, you're you're in Markarth, which if you've played Elder Scrolls Skyrim, you you've been in this place before. Um, so going there, you know, it it was great to see it again, just like it was going to see you know, kind of the the original places we were going to in Greymore and that. Um, and so. You're still fighting pretty much the same villain you had been fighting all along, even even through the year-long adventure. Uh, but you get to go again down into Blackreach underneath the ground where there's, you know, kind of those bioluminescent plants and mushrooms all over the place. Uh, but then also, you know, you're on top kind of in, in uh, the Markarth Skyrim area. Um, but there was a lot, a lot of Dwemer ruins and artifacts kind of throughout this whole... Uh, expansion and if you haven't really played the Elder Scrolls and you don't know who the Dwemer are uh, the Dwemer are essentially the dwarves of the Elder Scrolls lore but the thing about Elder Scrolls that make the dwarves different is there are no dwarves. They're not there. So you think about every other fantasy game you play, there's always dwarves. You can always be a dwarf, right? You can always play that that style if you want. You can go play World of Warcraft. You can be a dwarf. You can play, I mean, I guess Final Fantasy, there's definitely technically not dwarves, but you know, there, there's a small race that you can play. Um, there's nothing. All, all we ever get is they've built these incredible ruins. So it, Especially Elder Scrolls Online, they've really kind of doubled down on a lot of that um, because a lot of the dwarven ruins have... Um, these like robots and sentries and things that are kind of activated down there when you go, and that's really what you're battling when you're going through these these um these uh, ruins. But you never get to see them, and all we know is that they built all these things years ago, and for some reason they vanished. Don't know why, and I don't know if we're ever gonna get it. I mean, that's one question. Like whenever you see like Todd Howard or any kind of the higher ups um, from uh, from Bethesda out there, uh, one of the questions that always comes up to them is, what happened to the Dwemer? What happened to the Dwemer? What happened to the Dwemer? And they never they never answer it. Now, I don't know if Elder Scrolls Online will ever give us that answer because this actually takes place, it's like a thousand years before um, the events of kind of the, the Elder Scrolls games, the, the single-player games. Um, so it would be weird to kind of have the reveal of the Dwemer's fate and then, you know, then you fast forward to all the other games you don't know. Maybe that's what Elder Scrolls 6 is gonna be. I don't know, but it's it's one of those questions in video games that is just like always, always on, you know, the one of the unanswered questions that's always on players' minds when they're playing these games is like, you know, who who were these people? Where are they? And I love it. I mean, there's little teases all throughout the lore. And, you know, lore purists in the Elder Scrolls, many people think they have the answers, uh, but the answer's never been given. And whether or not we'll ever see them, I don't know. I mean, I know at some point, uh, they have to, you know, whether it's 10 years, 15, 20 years down the road. uh, I don't know if we'll get that. But I I just I love that, you know, that there is kind of this uh, mystery in this game series that we just don't know the answer to and and it's exciting when you go and explore these areas. And that's what I think I really liked about this Markarth DLC is a lot of what's happening, even though the dark heart of Skyrim really revolved a lot around vampires. Uh, I mean, the character that I played, I, I became a vampire, you know, in, in it this year, which I never wanted to be a vampire. And part of that was just because they, they made, they gave you an incentive to do it, but it kind of gave you this whole new, a whole new skill tree. They kind of reworked the vampire skill tree. And, um, you know, it, for, for my play style, it, it worked for this character. Um, but uh you know to have the dwemer be such a focus you know you go down there and I, I'm thinking like okay we're just going to go and, and defeat the gray host who is kind of like the the main um, villain that you were kind of fighting the vampire you were fighting through through the gray DLC and kind of it's kind of been trickling along through all this um, and then come to find out it's like he's utilizing this dwemer technology to create it it, it was uh, it was pretty neat i i really uh, really enjoyed it so um, you know, I I know I've always talked before about Elder Scrolls Online, and you know, if, it's a, if you've ever had any interest in getting into it, you know, I'm not pushing you to Markarth per se, but I, I just, it really kind of, all this always solidifies for me why this is such a great game. You know, a lot of people out there are always saying like, oh, when's the next Elder Scrolls coming out? Elder Scrolls 6 is, you know, four, probably three, four years away. We're not going to be getting it for a while. And I'm like, there's a brand new Elder Scrolls game literally dropping like every three months. Sure, it's not the size of you know, what, what an Elder Scrolls 6 is going to be. But if you've never played Elder Scrolls Online, this game is massive. It's huge. And I mean, the, the best part about it, and I know it's kind of weird to say about an MMO, but you can totally just solo your way through this game. I mean, there's people who just play this game just to run around the world and craft. Like, you can just do that. You don't need the help of really anybody to do much outside of kind of the end game content. Um, the SmartCard TLC actually brought a solo arena to it, which is essentially this... Um, kind of end game difficult area you go into that has I think it ends up there's like three wings. Each wing has two bosses. Once you defeat those bosses in each of those three, you kind of fight a seventh final boss. Um, so that's a, kind of a neat content. Um, I, I went in there and was kind of running through, and it. it was challenging, but it was fun. Uh, I didn't. I only defeated two of the bosses and, and cut out last night. Um, but I'm um, probably today going to try to pick up because it'll save kind of where you are. But when you defeat those bosses, you get kind of, uh, you know, a great, great piece of loot. Uh, so it's kind of neat uh, getting through that, and it was, like I said, it was pretty challenging, I mean, the, the one, it was like this massive dragon I was fighting, and there were like beams of light just randomly shooting all over the map, as well as kind of these area of effects, these circles I was trying to dodge, as, and then on top of that, I'm trying to, you know, shoot my uh, my lightning at him and kind of take him down, but then, you know, with, with him hitting me and my health going down every once in a while, I had to use one of my vampire skills where I'm able to kind of you know, suck some life out of him to heal myself up. And it was, it was probably a good seven, eight minute boss fight. Um, and it was cool. It was fun. You know, uh, the game kind of has some of that stuff for solo players as well. So uh, I don't know. It's, it's probably, and I've said it before, it is kind of one of my comfort games. Um, and I, uh, I just enjoy it. It's great. And the Markarth DLC uh, just kind of re-solidified that for me for sure. Now, later today, my friends, we are getting the Marvel Avengers Hawkeye uh, table, right? Kind of the war table is coming out today. So be sure to tune into that later today. We're going to be talking about that, of course, tomorrow. Uh, I'm super stoked uh, for this. And I want to read you, they put out a little description here uh, leading up to the table, so if you haven't read this, uh, tune in here to this. They say, uh, after the A-Day disaster, Clint Barton and his mentee, Kate Bishop, were left on their own deciding to search for the missing Nick Fury, and in doing so, stumbled upon AIM's secret tachyon project resulting in Clint's capture. Through Kate, or Though Kate brought him back to the Avengers, peril doesn't leave him. He falls into a coma, witnessing a future vision that leaves him confused and defeated. When he finally wakes... Armed with his bow, sword, and knowledge of the grim events to come, it's up to Hawkeye to stop the end of the world. Now, if you play through that Avengers DLC, the, um, what do they call it? The, the K, Whatever, the Kate bishop DLC, whatever the name they had for it. Um, you basically saved Hawkeye at the end from the future world where Maestro had pretty much destroyed everything. Um, and so, you know, Clint now has that knowledge of what happens. And so I guess that's kind of where we're going now. Um, I can't wait to see where the story is going to go. You know, Avengers, I've said it before. Like I really enjoyed the single player, um, story that was there. And even the Kate Bishop DLC was great. The way they keep pushing that story forward, uh, the sky's the limit, I think, in what they can do. And this has me super excited, especially bringing in Maestro. Um, I actually been reading the the Maestro series. It's kind of the current run right now. They have a couple issues up at Marvel Unlimited. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm interested to see how different Clint plays Compared to Kate, I know some people are a little bit worried about that. Both being archers, you know, kind of having that range, Um, but I'm sure you know they're going to make sure to not just have Hawkeye be a complete skin of Kate. You know, I'm I'm sure there's definitely going to be some differences there uh, between them. But I mean, the best, the thing I'm most excited about is kind of the change in the biome. You know, getting a different level skin for that game because you know when when you play Marvel Avengers a lot, eventually you get to the point where it's like I've just I've been here. I'm either in the forest. I'm either in the city area uh i'm in like a snowy tundra you know there's only just so many areas you can go to and then you're just kind of fighting a lot of the same enemies um getting this is going to be interesting now i'm i am also interested in new enemy types because when you look at the kind of the picture they put out with hawkeye uh it is a lot of the same enemies we've already fought um so i'm kind of interested to see kind of how that's gonna uh play out but uh i'm excited for this don't know when it's coming we're also going to get details on the next gen upgrade i believe as to when that's coming as well uh because that i'm really looking forward to can't wait to see what that thing looks like on the ps5 it's i bought the game on the ps4 can't wait to get that upgrade and run that thing at 60 frames man that's going to be just gorgeous absolutely gorgeous um, so, uh, tune into that later today, of course, here on the show, we'll be talking about it tomorrow for sure. Uh, cause I'm sure I'm going to watch this thing and probably fall on the floor about how excited I am. You guys know me, I get enthusiastic about this stuff. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, we also did get our first look at Microsoft's X cloud, which of course is their streaming service included with game pass, um, for the web. So you will be able to now stream games to the PC via, uh, they're kind of saying it's either, I think it's via Chrome or the Marvel Edge browser. Um, This is also the way that you're gonna be able to stream games to your iPad or your iPhone. You're gonna basically go through the Chrome browser. It's kind of the loophole they found. Uh, Since Apple doesn't wanna put xCloud out as an app, they're saying, okay, well, we're gonna put it out in a browser and people can just download it and play it that way. Um, No word yet on how, like what the resolution will be for these, Uh, I think, I don't think you can stream right now in 4K to the tablets. Um, so it will probably be just 1080p. But you know what? For what the for what it's worth, you know, you're streaming the game as it is. So I don't know. You know, if this is really going to be anybody's primary way of playing, although I do I say that. But then I you know I joked about Chris. You know, Chris here from the podcast. He doesn't have an Xbox, but he's a, he loved Halo. So I I don't see Chris really buying Halo Infinite when it comes out. But Hey, Chris could get a a quick one month sub for a dollar or whatever, you know, because he's never subbed to it before sub to, uh, Xbox ultimate, you know, ultimate game pass. And then suddenly he's able to play through halo infinite just through his computer. Maybe not the best experience he could have, but it's a good enough experience where he could play through it, check in, see what it's about and dip out. And, you know, heck then we could play some multiplayer together. I think that still is a very, very cool, um, you know, incentive that people have, Uh, to check that out you know that that this is a way that microsoft still is going to continue to um somewhat be a leader in in the streaming hey maybe they weren't the first but the idea of what game pass delivers of the day and date games and the exclusives that you're going to be able to get with that service um still makes it what it is i mean hey it's the reason why uh stadia is having issues right if they had some of the games that microsoft has on their streaming service plus bundled it all into kind of that service and not making you piecemeal buy these games, I think Stadia would be in a much better place. But unfortunately, that's not the path they took. And if, you know, hey, they could easily turn that around. I don't, I don't see them doing it, but uh, it's something they could do. Uh, yesterday also, because I've, I've been off uh, yesterday and, and, and I'm off today as well, uh, I watched the Marvel's Behind the Mask DLC, or DLC uh, documentary on Disney+. Plus. Uh, we talked about this last week. It dropped on Friday, the same day as the last episode of WandaVision. And I didn't get around to watching it until today or till yesterday. And uh, it's great. It's awesome. You know, I've been kind of telling you guys about the Marvel Declassified podcast I've been listening to, kind of getting into the history. Of Marvel and kind of the, you know, they, they pick a topic and get into some of the creation of whatever it is. And the episode I'm listening to now is about the creation of Marvel Knights, uh, which is a very interesting thing about Joe Quesada and uh, them kind of set it, creating that and kind of being pulled in as like almost like outside contractors, kind of indie writers to come in and, and see if they could do something uh, to kind of save Marvel essentially. Cause Marvel um, was filing bankruptcy at the time. Um, very interesting story, but this is kind of a, an extension of some of those things that are in those declassified episodes um, in terms of the creation of some of these characters so it gets into the creation of black panther uh, even the early heroes like the the fantastic four and even captain america um, some of the stories as to not even necessarily why they were created but just how they were created how they you know came out of kind of just the mindset of the times and the the modern world you know that's one of the things marvel always says is that the world outside your window you know that's the the marvel way they always write things literally outside their window that's why their offices were always in new york until recently because that's what they that's what stan and many on the team that was their philosophy was we're gonna write about the real world and then i think that's what and then you know they get into it in here that's what um really translated to a lot of the readers was that you know hey i live in new york city i'm reading about these heroes in new york city you know they're not in gotham they're not in metropolis they're not in made-up places they're literally in new york city by the empire state building that's where i'm walking down the street right now you know it was just that's always been the mindset of marvel and i think even for me i think that's probably why i've always connected to marvel more you know um when you look at kind of the difference, and again, they get into this in the in the documentary, but the difference between Marvel and like DC is DC just created like perfect superheroes right off the bat, right? They had Superman and Batman, and, and sure Batman has a tragic story, yes. But then it goes on to, you know, really double down then on Batman, where Marvel, you got a tragic story in Peter but they double down on Peter, you know, it's more the, the story of Peter Parker and his now widowed aunt and can they pay their rent and, you know, or you flip over to, you know, any of the other characters or even how the X-Men with the mutants and, you know, the, the constant um, just backlash and oppression that they have or the incredible Hulk and the, the anger he has. And uh, you know, the way the world views him, like there there's, a lot of things that marvel did to make their characters more relatable unlike dc where they're just quite literally gods obviously as the years went on dc did transition because i think they started realizing that you know that really is more the compelling way to write a story and of course that is changing with the times cuz hell you look at captain america early on sure they were writing outside your window with with literally the first issue of captain captain america cap punching hitler in the face um you know, that's the world outside your window. But Cap was someone of, of an invincible soldier, right? right? And they didn't really get into his story in that till years later. But that was of the times. That was in the 40s when you had your Superman and your your Flash and all those kind of early characters. Um, you know, it wasn't until Marvel really int- started introducing, really, I mean, the, the first family, the Fantastic Four. And it suddenly became this family dynamic, this family having troubles and arguing and fighting with each other and all that, that was really when I think you started to see that world, not only outside your window, but maybe that world inside your home, right, kind of came into play. And I think that's what, um, you know, not only just for many readers, but even for me personally, like, that's what I think I've always gravitated to Marvel, you know, I mean, I think I said it before, like, my first comic book was, (laughs) it was actually a comic book we got at school to like help you read like here's read but it was a spider-man comic and that was the first comic i ever owned and uh it just i immediately was set and in the it's funny that was the first comic but then you know i the very first book i went to the store i'll never forget it my dad and i i don't know where we were going but we had a comic book shop it was literally right down the street but i had never been before and i got in the spider-man comic book at uh at school and, uh, you know, a couple kids. Then At that point, they started reading comics, bringing some books into school. And I said, Dad, you know, I, I want to get a comic. And he's like, all right, well, you know, we were going to the hardware store or whatever. And he's like, we'll stop by the, the shop on the way. So we go in and he's like, you know, pick one that you want. Pick out what you want. And so I'm, you know, looking around. And the one book I picked, and I think I actually have it. It's, it's if you guys have ever seen inside my office here, uh, some pictures I've taken, or if you've seen some YouTube videos I've put up, I have a bunch of comics hanging up on my wall. And there's one book that is like, just I don't want to say it seems out of place, but it's like there's nothing really special about it, other than that it's special to me because it's the first book literally that I ever like bought at a store, and that is I think it's Ghost Rider uh, issue 13, and it's got Ghost Rider on the front and Doctor Strange is in the issue, and uh, it's the Danny Catch Ghost Rider kind of when they launched him what in like 91 or whatever that was, and it was just something about that cover that was so cool to me. I just thought it was awesome. I'm like, oh, who is this ghost rider? He's like a skeleton and this guy's like a magician. And when I started reading into the, the story, you know, then we get home and you know, I read the book and probably, you know, I remember having no clue what's going on. I probably read it though, like five or six times. So like kind of really kind of started understanding. But then, you know, I remember going back to school and talking about ghost rider. Cause there was a, a kid who had another ghost rider book and started learning more about like the Danny catch character and how, you know, Ghost Rider was an alter ego, and he was, you know, kind of sold his soul, sold to the devil to kind of, you know, get that that power inside of him, and like the tragedy of him. And then that's when it, I think, kind of hit me that, wait a minute, that's kind of like Spider Man, like Spider Man, because because again, learning more about Spider Man at school and all that, it was like oh, Spider Man, his uncle died, and like you know, he kind of blames himself, and and it just that's when you know i think my love for marvel and becoming like the marvel zombie kind of came out was like it was they really ground those characters um in something that would be relatable you know and i think that's why through the years i never read dc because it was like superman's invincible like he has every power like well, that that to me is an interesting now since then obviously and over you know the last however many years kind of dipping more into DC and really seeing the way they can spin that story of Superman. And he, he has a family dynamic and him, um, you know, what, what is that, that burden that he has of being basically a God and having to constantly hear people crying out for help all day long. How do you choose? Right. I mean, they're, they're, that's a tragedy within itself, but early on, you know, that's why I was, I gravitated to Marvel first. Before I, you know, dipped anything into DLC or into DC, um, but uh, so yeah, go. Long story short, go check out the documentary. I think it's the the right way. It's, it's I mean, I told you guys here over this last week. I've been listening to Marvel Declassified. It really is um, kind of just the history of comics. Uh, I'm kind of just on the, this whole little. I don't know, just like journey right now, kind of going through a lot of this this stuff and wanting to just soak in so many just interviews and all that. And uh, this was like the perfect time for this to drop. It's great. It's really, really awesome. Uh, So go check it out. Definitely on Disney Plus. It's called Marvel's Behind the Mask. It's probably, I mean, it's right when you go to like the newest things added. It's right there. It just came out on Friday. Uh, but, uh, all right, well, let's wrap it up there guys. Uh, thank you here as always for tuning into the show. Big thanks as always to Goo for supporting the show. GamerGoo, that antiperspirant for your hand gives you up to four hours of non sweaty gaming hands. Head on over to GamerGoo.com. You can check out all the different scents over there, including the teakwood, the peppermint, the orange, the cherry blossom, and the new Beach Breeze. Uh, If you are interested in purchasing some over there, be sure to use my promo code TEL, T-E-L, and save yourself 10% off your order. Again, that's GamerGoo.com. Use my promo code TEL, T-E-L, and save yourself 10% off your order today. Well, guys, that's it for today. Tomorrow, we'll be talking some Marvel Avengers Hawkeye board table, so be sure to tune into that later today. And uh, until then, we'll catch you next time.